Hello, this is Bill Lytell, some wisdom for your walk. I want to thank everybody for praying for me through the surgery I was going through, and God's been good to me. And here I am back again with some hopefully things that I've been able to meditate on while I've been out a little while. I um, have known people through the years that have backslidden, born-again Christians that have backslidden. I don't question their salvation. Uh, people that have a firm faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, repented of their sins, and yet they forgot what they been got saved from and got loose and got out of the Word and got cold, backslid under temptation, eventually came back, repented under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, got right with God, came back, and and were restored. And, and sometimes people uh, ignorantly say to me, well, preacher, uh, I'll just get forgiven. I'll just I'll, If I do this stuff, I'll just get forgiven and think like things are going to be all right. Um, the question that comes in my mind, the title of this little podcast is, it's what you gave up. It's what you gave up. The cost of backsliding is what you gave up. It's not so much maybe what you did. I heard one guy he said, well, I'm just going to go. I want 10 years. I want to go out and eat, drink, and be married. I want to go out and live and the way I want to live. And, you know, uh, so he did. And then he got right with God 10 years later. And, and I talked to him. I said, but think about all the people in those 10 years of backsliding that you never witnessed to, that you would have had you been right with God. Think of all those inf- you would have influenced for the cause of Christ to do right to follow God's commandments, obey the Lord Jesus, and love him. Uh, when you were backslid out there living like the world, couldn't tell the difference between you and the world, uh, think of the people that would have been influenced by you had you been right with God, going to church, loving God, reading the Bible, promoting the things of God. Uh, look, look at the souls. Let's look at maybe some of the souls that you actually would have led to Christ. If you're a soul winner or passing tracks out, spreading the gospel, uh, people lead other people to Christ once in a while. And so what about those souls that never heard the gospel from you, but you were the guy to give it to them, but you didn't give it to them because you were living for yourself and selfishly out there fulfilling the lust of the flesh. What about them? What, what about the things you gave up as far as your heavenly reward goes? Um, because uh, every idle word the man speak, give an account of. Every work that you do, even to a cup of cold water in disciples' name, Jesus said you'll receive a reward, an eternal reward. It could not be taken away from you. Treasures in heaven, the Bible says. And so um, I think of this parable that Jesus taught. By the way, a parable is an uh, earthly illustration of a heavenly truth. You can't take every little detail of a parable and try to make doctrine out of it. It never was meant for that. A parable has one major truth that it's teaching, which usually can be worded in a sentence. Uh, some people take a parable and they'll try to say, well, this means this and that means this and that. Now, if Jesus said it, like in the case of the parable of the sower, where he defined each one of those elements uh, in his interpretation, absolutely, positively, that's a great, that's true in the way he did it. But that was Jesus defining his, his uh, earthly illustration and giving it heavenly wings, as it were, a heavenly truth. We can't do that. We take the Bible for what it is. In this parable, I'll mention here in Luke chapter 12, verse 16, it says, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will put down, I will I'll pull down my barns, build greater, 
and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. My IRA is looking sweet. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Lay back, play shuffleboard, put some shorts on, get out in the sun. And God said unto him, Thou fool, the word moranos, moron, this night shall thy soul be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? All your little precious stuff, your precious tools, ladies, your china, all that stuff handed down by grandma and great-grandma won't really be valuable to your, other, to your great-grandkids or your grandkids. They'll probably be taken to goodwill. So the Bible says in verse 21, So was he that layeth up treasure for himself is not rich toward God. And that's where I want to stop. When people backslide, and, and you and me, Every day that we backslide, or what is backsliding? Living for yourself in, in disobedience of the Bible. Uh, because really, if you want to be right with God, you have to live for others. There's a little poem that says, Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be, that when I live for others, I might live like thee. Let me live from day to day in such a self-forgetting way, that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer might be for others. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be. A person that's right with God is not living for themselves or living for others. Why? Because Jesus saved them, gave you a new life in Christ, and, and your purpose now is to obey God and help others get what you got, which is the salvation found in Christ. And so our whole focus, our money, our time, treasure, and talent, all focus around one thing, and that's promoting the kingdom of God as, as the Bible and the New Testament tells us how to do it. So Somebody that lays up treasure for himself, or if I maybe say it this way, lives for himself and is not rich towards God is a fool. That's what God said. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 20, 21. It's what you give up in backsliding that is so horrible. I believe ultimately there'll be a lot of weeping and gnashing, uh, not gnashing of teeth, but there'll be weeping at least at the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, there's going to be some serious understanding come to us of how the opportunity this thing called life is and how we've had opportunity to serve God and to do his will. And there's going to be some come to Jesus, if I want to call a meeting, uh, at that judgment where people realize, my, 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 instead of golfing four days a week, I should have been taking a couple of those days out soul winning or out passing tracks out or or just doing something for the local church or promoting missions or something that's eternal, helping my neighbors. Um, I believe we're going to have a reckoning of that. So it's, 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 it's the people who are, the Bible says here, not rich toward God. So what are we supposed to be as born-again Christian? Rich toward God. That's time, talent, and treasure, everything we got. Rich towards God. And you'll not be upset because you're going to lay up treasure in heaven because of that. But if you don't do that, it's what you give up because when you go to heaven, you're going to all the, that 10 years going back to the man who talked to me about backsliding for 10 years. Those 10 years are not recoverable. He can't go back and undo any of that. He, he ate, he drank, he was merry. He had pleasure. He went where he wanted to go, did what he wanted to do. Happy, happy. Didn't go to church and didn't read his Bible. Uh, took a break on God. Let me just say this. I may put this in. If taking a break on God makes you feel better, something's real, real wrong with you. 
I mean, spiritually as, an, as a barometer. If you can miss church and feel better, if you cannot read your Bible and feel better, if you can, if you can take a break on memorizing Scripture and feel better, if you can if you can back off on the things of God and feel better, something is deeply, deeply wrong with your spirit. I mean, to the place where I'd wonder, did I really am I born from above? Do I have the Holy Spirit in me? I'd wonder about it. I would. I'd begin to question it. I'd be going going to the Word of God. I mean, <clears throat> recently a young lady came to me and she said, I'm gonna take a break on church. I said, What's that mean? She said, well, I'm not going to go to church for, you know, she hadn't been in church now for about nine months, ten months. I thought, if you can get better by being away from church, maybe you're not who we are. Maybe you don't have what we have. Maybe you've got a form of, religion, form of religion, the Bible says, but no power, no Holy Spirit. And that could be, and I believe some people do get in church, and they look like a wheat, and they act like a wheat, but they're really a tear. Uh, they don't really have the Holy Spirit. So if they're if you're saved in name only and you haven't repented and trusted Christ and received the Holy Spirit, you're never going to be able to be a good Christian. And maybe that accounts for a lot of the people who fall away and fall back or fall off is that they never really had it and they faked it till they make it, as they say. And and they and they came to the place where they where they lost the, they lost it. So the question I ask you is: Be accountable to God. Set a schedule for living for God. May your schedule be your master. Read your Bible at a regulated time. Go to church disciplined in a disciplined manner. Sunday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school. Uh, it won't hurt you. Trust me on this. It will not hurt you to give up. Because whatever you, the TV show you give up, the sitting on the back porch sipping tea you may give up in the morning, uh, it's not going to hurt you. In fact, what you miss at church, that's going to hurt you. What you, The sermon you miss, that was the one for you. It could have helped you with a lifelong anger problem, but now you're still struggling with it. But that sermon dealt with how to overcome anger. You missed it. You know, people say, I'll watch it online. Don't, no, don't you do it. Don't you make the mistake of online uh, substitution for the real thing. Um, you don't have an online wife and you don't have an online friend. Uh, you, you have Church is a cumulative thing with people, real people, real atmosphere together. And you have to go there to get what God really has for you. And I know I've been, I've been had, just had surgery. I've watched online services for the last two weeks. Okay, I appreciate it. I got the sermon. I appreciate it. But hey, I can tell the difference. It's not as powerful. It's not as impactive. As me being there, shaking hands, hugging folks, loving on folks that are there, realizing we're all one in Christ, and feeling something that cannot be produced online is the cumulative presence of the Holy Spirit. Because we're two or more gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. So uh, 10 people gathered together have a, have a power and an impact that one person alone at home does not have. And so may that help you. Some truth, some wisdom, some contemplation. Don't miss out. Don't you go backslide and waste years that God has given you. There's a song out there called Wasted Years, Wasted Years. Oh, how foolish. Maybe you know it. I've sung that for years. Oh, don't waste your years. Live for Jesus. Love you, folks. Thank you for listening in on uh, this podcast, Wisdom for Your Walk, Bill Lytale.